Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you are here today. My name is Matt Wolf. I'm the lead pastor here at Stapleton Church, and we are all about helping people follow Jesus, and we want to help you do that today. Um, I'm so glad you guys are here. I want to say a special thank you to all our volunteers today, especially those who shoveled our walk. So can we just give them a round of applause? Thank you so much. We have some incredible volunteers here, and we're so grateful. So I'm so glad you guys are here in person, and I know some of you are watching online. I'm glad you're here as well. Um, We welcome you guys. Um, This is the fifth and final message in our Kingdom Vision series, so I think it's going to be exciting. Um, And and next week, we are going to actually go back into our Encountering God series, Encountering God Part 2. So you're going to want to be here. That was, uh, I think, a really impactful series that we were starting in January. We're going back to it because there are some major encounters in the Bible that we haven't even gotten to yet. These encounters between human beings and the God, the infinite God of the universe. So you're going to want to be here next week as we jump back into that series, part two of Encountering God. So today, if you do have your Bible, we're going to be in Matthew 13 again. We've been going through that chapter in our series so far, and we're going to just be in three verses today, Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46. So if you have a Bible, go ahead and jump there or follow along on your smartphone or on the screen in front of you. Today, we're going to talk about the cost of following Jesus, because there's a cost, right? And I think that's the question a lot of us have. Well, how much does it cost? What will it cost? I remember when I was a pastor in Nebraska at our church, our youth director came up to me after a service one day and said, Matt, I have this teenager that really wants to follow Jesus, really wants to believe in him, but he says there's this one thing that he doesn't want to give up. There's just one thing that he's kind of just holding on to. He said, I know if I follow Jesus, I'm going to have to give this up, so I'm not not quite ready yet. We had a great conversation around it, but what I loved about that teenager is that he was honest, because we all think that. We all think that way. We all have those questions. Well, if I follow Jesus, if I become a believer, if I'm a Christian, will I have to give up that? Will I have to stop doing that? What about this thing over here or or that relationship over here? Do I have to give up that thing? Do I have to give that? And it's so hard because we're counting the cost, aren't we? And there is a cost and we see it up ahead. And and I think most adults aren't quite that honest. We kind of couch it in things like, well, you know, uh, there's these theoretical and philosophical reasons why I don't believe and the the suffering that happens to good people. Why does that exist? We, We couch it in these ideas, but really deep down we're saying, if I follow Jesus, well, I have to give that thing up, right? I think we all ask that question. How much does it cost? How much is it going to cost me in my life? Am I going to have to do that? Am I going to have to go there? And we wonder, what is the cost of following Jesus? And today, what we're going to learn, there's two parts to our big idea. So I'm just giving you the first part right now. What we're going to learn is that following Jesus will cost more than you think, Hmm. Yeah, yeah, you heard that right. Following Jesus will actually cost you more than you're thinking. If you're thinking, oh, it's going to cost me that thing. Am I going to have to give up that one thing? No, 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 no. It's going to cost you even more than that. But there's some good news, too, so you're going to have to stay tuned for that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. The the first part of this message is focusing on this idea. Following Jesus will cost more than you think. So in this series, we're talking about the kingdom of God. This was the central message that Jesus talked about again and again and again. That there's this kingdom, God's power. It's not a place. It's God's power that's arrived here on the earth with the arrival of Jesus, the king. And when people believe in Jesus and they begin to follow him, 
that power enters into their life and it starts to transform the world. So in the first message in our series, we, of course, learned that we need to learn to see the world with kingdom vision. There are things around that are invisible. But when you begin to follow Jesus, you see things differently than everyone else. You see things differently. And then in the second message, we learned that we need to cultivate the seeds of the kingdom, whether it's in our own life or in the lives of other people around us. When they begin to follow Jesus, it's a life-transforming process. So we need to cultivate them, help them grow and develop roots so that they can bear fruit in their own lives. And then in the third message in this series, we talked about how we need to let God determine who's in and who's out. Because we want to say that person's a believer, that person's not. They're a follower, they're not. No, 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 that's not our job. We don't need to do that. God can handle it. We just love and show grace to everybody, right? That's what we learn in the kingdom. That's what it is. People are growing up together, and we don't know, but God can handle it in the future. And then in the next message in our series, we learn to be a part of the growing kingdom. Last week we talked about that. Though, Even though it doesn't seem like it to our American 21st century eyes, the kingdom of God is growing here and around the world. It's multiplying rapidly. It really is. You look at the demographics and the reach of the kingdom of God. And we were challenged to be a part of that. So today what we're going to talk about as we finalize this series, as we finish this series of uh, parables that Jesus told in this chapter, is that we've got to realize that there is a cost to following Jesus, to being part of this kingdom. And it's more than you think. So let's look in Matthew 13, verse 44. I'm going to start reading there with just this first of the parables, very short, that Jesus shares in this section. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Okay, we're going to stop there for just a second. Did you hear that little parable? So short, right? So simple and yet so important for us to understand. Jesus said, this guy found a treasure in a field. And he sold everything he had to buy that field so that treasure could be his. In case you're wondering, wow, that sounds kind of amazing. This actually was probably more common in the ancient world. Because there were no banks. There were no credit unions. There were no places where you could put uh, your treasures in a drop box or, you know, drop it off at the bank. So what people used to do when they heard an enemy army was coming, they would go in their backyards and their fields and they would dig holes and they would hide their treasures in the ground. And then what happened a lot of times is the armies would come in and either kill those people or take them as slaves. So then the treasures would be left in the field. So it was common for people to be out in a field and stumble upon a treasure. Some of you still do that, and you get out your little wand, and you're beeping in the sand trying to find a treasure. Uh, You're probably not going to find anything more than a few coins. But this happened in the ancient Middle East. And this man, Jesus is saying, is telling this story. It's not a true story. It's just a parable. And he's telling this story, and he says, hey, that is what the kingdom of heaven is like, this treasure that is hidden in a field that is worth selling all you have to buy it. Did you notice the cost? All you have, this man sold. To purchase that field. Then there's a second parable Jesus gives right back to back with this one, starting in verse 45. Jesus said, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. So once, once again, there's somebody, they find this treasure, this time a pearl. 
And the merchant sells everything he had to buy the pearl. Now, pearls were probably considered the greatest treasure in this time period, especially in the Roman Empire. We know this because Cleopatra had many pearls, and there was a Roman historian that wrote about her great pearl collection. She even had one, and I tried to figure out what it would be in today's dollars, but this one pearl that she had was probably worth about $80 million in today's money. Yeah, they were very hard to get. They were expensive and valuable, and only the royals had them. Cleopatra really only had two big pearls that were these amazing pearls. So when this man finds one of great value, he says, hey, I'm going to sell everything I have to buy that because it's worth it, right? So once again, in both of these stories, I want you to see first the cost, the cost of the kingdom, the cost of following Jesus, and it's more than you think. Both the man in the field and the merchant sold everything they had purchase these treasures, to purchase the kingdom, to get a part of it. And I think we need to see that because Jesus is saying, hey, that's how it goes with the kingdom of God. To follow Jesus is going to cost way more than you think. Way more than you think. So some of you are thinking, well, does that mean I need to sell everything I have and take a vow of poverty? I don't know. There was one man that Jesus told that to. Do you know that story? The rich young ruler. He has everything right. And he's like, I've been obeying everything I'm supposed to do. I'm a great religious person. And Jesus says, okay, now go sell everything you have and come follow me. And the man goes away sad because he was holding on to those treasures that he had. But there's other people like Zacchaeus. When he begins to follow Jesus, he sells half that he had without even being prompted by Jesus. Half that he had. Why half? And then there's other people that there's no mention at all of selling anything to follow Jesus. I think there's something to this. Because God is very rich. Did you know that? Uh, People don't even realize this. It says in the Psalms that the cattle on a thousand hills are God's. Meaning, he has everything in the world. He created it. It's his. He doesn't need your money. He definitely doesn't need your junk. You know what I'm talking about. He doesn't need your stuff. In fact, in Acts chapter 17, there's another thing about God that we don't even realize. that It says that God doesn't need us to serve him. You don't often hear a pastor say that, but it's in the Bible. God doesn't need us to serve him because he has angels that follow every one of his commands. He doesn't even need us to serve him because God has everything. So when you say, well, well, how much is it going to cost me to follow Jesus? Do I need to sell all my belongings? Do I need to take a vow of poverty? Do I need to live a minimalist lifestyle? Do I need to get in one of those tiny compact houses that only have 120 square feet? I don't know if I can do that, Matt. I don't know if I can give up all the clothes in my closet. Jesus is saying throughout the Gospels, throughout the Bible we read, that God doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your stuff. He wants you. He wants everything you are. He wants your heart. For some people, it does mean selling stuff. It does mean giving up stuff. But what Jesus is saying is, I want everything that you have. Everything that you are when you come and follow me. See, following Jesus will cost you more than you think. See, when people begin to follow Jesus, they kind of think of it as like someone coming in and doing some remodeling in their house. 
C.S. Lewis used this illustration in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, you know, when, when you first begin to follow Jesus, you invite him in, and, and, and at first he's like fixing the leaky roof, and you're like, oh yeah, I knew that needed fixing. Changing some of the design, painting, and you're like, oh yeah, that definitely needed that in my life. I, I needed to change that, definitely. Yeah, that makes sense. But then all of a sudden he takes out a sledgehammer, boom, and he's knocking down some walls. He's blowing out entire walls and adding on an addition and then a floor. And you're saying, hey, I thought you were just going to do a little remodel and this is a complete renovation. What's going on? And then at the end, you realize that instead of the little house that you were hoping for, Jesus had made a castle, a palace. That's what happens when you're following Jesus. You think it's just a little bit of renovation, a little bit of change in your life. No, no, no. When you follow Jesus... God changes everything about you. He transforms you from the inside out. It's a complete renovation. So what is it going to cost you? More than you think. More than you think. So what are you saying, Matt? Are you saying that I have to write Jesus a blank check when I decide to follow him? Yeah. I kind of am. That's what Jesus is saying. And if you're thinking, Matt, that sounds crazy. Why would anyone do that? People get married, right? Think about this. When you get married to someone, you're saying, till death do us part, for better or for worse, in sickness and in health, even if we're poor or rich, whatever happens to us, I'm going to be with you till the end. And what happens when you get married is you think you know about the other person, but you don't. Right? Those of you who are married, if you've been married more than a year and a half, you know what I'm talking about. You find out more and more about that other person. And you realize that even the things you thought you knew about them, they change. We're human beings. We can change, right? But when you take those vows that I will be with this person, it's a covenant before God. And things are going to change. Your direction is going to be different. That person might change careers. You might have kids. You might have no kids. Things may, you may live in a different place than you ever expected. But what you're doing is when you're getting married, you're just saying, hey, wherever you go, I go. Whatever you do, I'm going to do with you. And we do that with just human beings who are sinful and terrible, right? That's another part about marriage. I could give a whole message right there on marriage, couldn't I? But we're not going to talk about that. But what I'm saying is that we do this in our own life. We say, I'm committed to you. No matter what happens, we're going to do this together. We do that with someone we love and trust. And when we begin to follow Jesus, it's the same thing. We're saying, I don't know where you're going to take me, Jesus. I don't know where you're going to call me to go or, or what you're going to tell me to do, but I trust you and I love you. That's what we do when we decide to follow Jesus. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote in his book, The Cost of Discipleship, he said, where will the call to discipleship, that's following Jesus, lead those who follow it? What decisions and painful separations will it entail? We must take this question to him who alone knows the answer. Only Jesus Christ, who bids us to follow him, knows where the path will lead. But we know that it will be a path full of mercy beyond measure. Discipleship is joy. We don't know where it's going to take us. We don't know what it's going to cost us. It's going to be more than you think. But what we're doing is we're saying, I trust this person, Jesus. He is the king. 
And wherever he leads is worth it to follow. Whatever he calls me to do, whatever he asks me to give up or to do, it's going to be worth it. And that's the second half of our big idea. The, the cost is much more than you think, but you'll gain more than you can imagine. I heard an amen. Following Jesus costs more than you think, but you'll gain more than you imagine. There's another amen. Two people believe it. You'll gain more than you can imagine. That's what Jesus is saying in this parable. Did you get that? This is what he's saying. Yeah, the cost is a lot. You'll sell everything you have to purchase this field, to purchase this pearl. But you'll get a magnificent treasure. It'll be worth it. You'll even have joy as you're selling all your stuff. Did you notice that in the first parable? Verse 44. That's what it said. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, in his joy, right then, not for the joy that he would have when he died and entered eternal life. No, no, no. In his joy, right then, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Because the treasure he got far surpassed the worth of the junk he gave up in his joy. See, when we follow Jesus, there is so much we gain. So much we gain. We gain new purpose. When he asks us to do new things, it fills us with a sense of meaning that no meaningless job could ever fulfill. And it even gives the job that you're working now new meaning because you're doing it for the king. You're serving the king of the universe. He gives you purpose in your life, but he also gives you peace in your heart. You're going to go through storms and terrible things that are coming, but now you have a peace to make it through the worst trials. Jesus is going to give you joy too, that there's a happiness through that time, in the suffering, in the struggle. There's this joy that's so deep in your heart that you can't even explain. There's a happiness that that you can't understand until you begin to do. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's just in this life. Think about the years, the centuries, the millennia that you will spend with Jesus forever. Be given a new body that isn't broken down like the one you have right now. There's no more sickness, sorrow, pain, or death. Your, your mental capacity is going to be better. For those of you who are dealing with mental illness, you're saying amen to that. Because you will go to heaven and you will have that new body, that new mind. You will reign here on the new earth. You will be adopted into the royal family. You'll be a prince, a princess. You will reign with this King Jesus forever. That sounds pretty good, right? That sounds incredible. See, it's going to cost you more than you think to follow Jesus. But what you'll gain is more than you could ever imagine. That's what Jesus is saying in these parables. Do you hear it? Do you feel it? Some of you are thinking, well, Matt, I thought... Those of you who are smart and theological, you're thinking, I thought salvation was free. I thought it was a free gift that we just have to accept. It is. It is. And I'm not saying salvation here. There is zero cost on your part to salvation. There is a cost. But Jesus paid it all. For you, it's free. You just have to accept the gift. You have to receive it. You don't have to do anything. Like that teenager, what, what I told him, I said, yeah, you may have to give up something. You'll probably have to give way more than that to follow Jesus. But right now, all you need to do is accept the gift. You don't have to change your life and then follow Jesus. It's by following him that God will transform your life slowly and slowly, incrementally. 
So to accept the gift, you have to do nothing. There is no cost. But following Jesus over a lifetime, it will cost you a lot. More than you think. But here's the reason why these truths can fit together. Because when you receive a gift of that magnitude, it will change everything about you. I don't know about if you remember this story. Way back in the early 2000s, there was a woman named Ruth Lilly. She was in her 80s, and she had inherited a fortune from her father. And she had a fortune, and she loved poetry, and she had even written poems and tried to get them published, and nothing was published. In fact, a magazine that had rejected her again and again, when she died, she put it in her will that she wanted to give that magazine a gift of $100 million. Do you remember this story? $100 million gift. Now, this magazine had about 10,000 subscribers at the time and four employees. It's a very small, down-and-out magazine. And yet they were given this gift of $100 million. And they invested it, and five years later, it was worth $200 million. Do you think they kept doing things the same? No way. No way. The magazine hired all sorts of new employees to help make their product better. They hired consultants to figure out what to do with that money. They began to set up scholarships to give money to young poets. They created a website and a journal, and they started doing everything differently because they were given such a massive gift. You, you got that? Wouldn't you live differently if you got $100 million? See, when Jesus gives you the gift of salvation, it's going to change everything about you. You're going to give up things and you're going to change the way you do things, not because you're like, oh my gosh, now I have to do this to get the gift. No, you've already gotten the gift. Now you're saying, hey, I can do something differently because I do have that peace, that joy. The Holy Spirit is now living inside me to guide me into the future. Everything is different inside of your soul, and it's going to change things. I think Jim Elliott is one of the greatest examples of this. You know, Jim Elliott, if you remember his story, it was told in several books by his wife, Elizabeth, and in the movie The End of the Spear, that Jim Elliott, as a 20-year-old, went with some of his friends to a tribe in Ecuador because they realized that they had this kingdom message, the gospel, that would transform their life, and they wanted to transform this tribe in Ecuador that had never heard about Jesus. So they went in, and five of them were killed by this tribe after only being there for a short time. What's amazing is that before he went, Jim Elliott knew how important what he was doing was worth. And he said this in his journal. I, I love this because you can even find this journal online. And if you zoom in on October 28th, it, it says that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. He is no fool. That's what he wrote, and he lived it out. He said, I don't know what it's going to cost me. I think he had no idea what was going to happen to him when he went to Ecuador, that he would die and leave behind a wife and a young child. But he said, it's worth it. This cost, it's incredible. Yet what I gain is something I cannot lose. Because everything you have in this life, all your possessions, all your money, will be gone when you die. You don't ever see hearses behind or I'm sorry, U-Haul's behind a hearse, right? You can't take your stuff with you. You can't take your money with you. It's all going to be gone. But what you can gain is so much more valuable. And his wife, Elizabeth, and several others went back to that tribe years later and actually led them to faith in Jesus 
and help transform two villages there in Ecuador for the kingdom of God. God was working through that, and he is in eternal glory right now. The cost is much more than we think. But what we gain is much more than we can imagine. It truly is. Why would you hold on to those things you can't keep? Selling everything is worth it. And you say, well, Matt, that's the good question. Well, is it worth it? All the things I have to give up. Is it worth it? Let me ask you a different way. Because think about this, these stories that Jesus said. Okay, you sell all you have to get this treasure. You sell all you have to get the most expensive, beautiful pearl in the world. That's the kingdom. I want you to just imagine this. If a uh, man came to you and said, Hey, I have this chef that I've hired. One of the best chefs in the world has, uh, you know, one of the best restaurants in the world. And he's going to come be your personal chef. I've already paid him, so he's going to cook for you for the rest of your life. But you know that top ramen you've been eating every day? You're going to have to give that up. Is it worth it? What about this? A man comes to you and says, hey, I have this brand new Porsche. Just off the lot, completely paid off, and it's my gift to you. But you're going to have to give up that 96 Toyota Camry that you've been driving that has a headlight bashed in, missing a bumper, that has 215,000 miles, you're going to have to give that up. Is it worth it? What about someone comes to you and says, hey, I have this house for you. It's in the city. It's kind of on an estate. It's about 30 acres. The house has about 27,000 square feet. There's a grounds crew, and there's going to be some people that clean the house and cook for you. You can have it all. It's, it's, it's a gift to you, but you're going to have to give up that one-bedroom apartment without a heater. Is it worth it? You could say, well, I love Top Ramen. I eat it every day. That's how I sustain my life. You could say, well, that's my only mode of transportation, that Camry. I need it. You could say, hey, I've lived here for years. This is my apartment. You know, this is where I sleep. You could say that, and people do all the time. But when Jesus says the kingdom is this great treasure, this amazing, beautiful pearl, the question is, is it worth it? And what's the answer? Yes, certainly, absolutely. It's worth all that and more. The cost is more than you think. What you gain is more than you can imagine. Truly is. Because Jesus was the king who not only taught these great parables, but he was the king who went and suffered for you. He died for you on the cross taking all your punishment and sin upon himself. He took your execution, the hell that you should suffer. He did that all so that you could have this eternal life. This treasure could be yours so that you could follow him and enter into the amazing journey and adventure that is following Jesus. He said, I'll give you joy now and eternity ahead. And Jesus did that all on the cross when he died for you. And he proved that his word is true because three days after he died, he rose from the dead, proving that he has all the power to accomplish everything he said. His kingdom cannot be shaken, and it is yours to inherit forever. Is it worth it? I hope so. I think when, when we try to make this transaction, we think about it in our heads, it's tough. You know, but I don't want you to miss how valuable this is. 
I don't want you to miss it. Did you notice in these two parables, one of the, the main differences between these two little parables is that in the first one, the man kind of stumbled upon the treasure. He wasn't looking for it. And some of you here aren't looking for this. You're just like, my life's fine. Things are good. You know, I have, have enough money. Things are fine. But then you stumble upon this treasure and you say, whoa, something's different about this. Others of you were looking you are looking right now. You've been trying all sorts of different things. You've been trying relationships. You've been thinking maybe it's found in money, maybe this religion. I'll try this meditation, whatever it is. You're trying anything you can. You're like that merchant searching for the pearl. It doesn't matter how we come to Jesus. What matters is that we do come. And, and, and what I want you guys to do is not miss it. I don't want you to miss it because it's worth giving up everything for Uh, several years ago, uh, there's been stories like this since, but it was kind of the first of its kind, and it kind of intrigued me. There was a man um, who set up at a uh, subway station in Washington, D.C., and he started playing his violin. For 45 minutes, he played his violin, and he played six different um, concerto pieces. And while he was playing in those 45 minutes, an estimated 1,100 people passed through the station. 1,100 people and in that time, only six people stopped to listen to him. They gave, some people threw some coins in as they passed by. It was about $30 worth of change that he made in this 45 minutes. And only one person really stopped to listen, and it was a three-year-old boy until his mom grabbed him and told him to come. But that violinist was actually Joshua Bell, who was one of the most famous uh, violinists in the world. And Joshua Bell was playing there at the subway station a $3.5 million violin. And that week, people would pack out, sell out a theater and paying $100 a seat to hear him play. And as he was playing there, everybody just kept walking by. They had no idea the treasure that was there before him. And I don't want you guys to miss it because some of you are busy. You're thinking, I don't know, that's a, co- that's a lot of cost. But let me tell you, it's worth it. It's worth it. Give up everything to follow Jesus. I don't know where he's going to take you. I don't know where he'll lead you, but it's worth it. Um, there's this great line in The Lord of the Rings. It's one of my uh, favorite books. And they're about to start their adventure, right? Their, their journey. And at the beginning of this story, I, I love that... Um, Samwise Gamgee, one of the hobbits, he's leaving and he's never left the Shire, his homeland before. He's, he's there and he's looking across the river and this is what it says. It says that Sam was the only member of the party who had not been over the river before. He had a strange feeling as the slow gurgling stream slipped by. His old life lay behind in the mists. Dark adventure lay in front. I don't know all the things that are going to be ahead for you if you follow Jesus. I don't know what you're going to have to give up, the cost that you're going to have to pay. I don't know where you'll go or what you'll do. But I do know this. It's worth it. The adventure is worth it. So if I could just have everyone um, just bow their heads with me and close their eyes. If you could just close your eyes right now. I just want everybody's uh, eyes closed. If you're here today and you're saying, Matt... I have never made the decision to follow Jesus before. I've never trusted in Him. But you're ready to do that. I just want to see your hand. If you're ready to follow Jesus today, could I see your hand? Awesome. 
Awesome. Praise God. It tells us in Romans that if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you start your journey. So there's this public declaration. So I'm going to ask you to do something a little uncomfortable. But this is what what the Bible tells us to do, to declare with your mouth. So if you're here today and for the first time you want to follow Jesus, I want you to declare that Jesus is your king. So would you say that right now? This is your declaration of faith. Jesus is my king. Jesus is my king. Praise God that you made that decision. I I would love for a chance to pray with you and and get you a book. So if you um, made that decision for the first time today, mark that on your connection card and put it in the offering plate in just a minute because I would love to get a chance to chat with you and pray for you and encourage you on your new journey. Others in here, though, have made the decision to follow Jesus, but you've been holding something back. You know what I'm talking about? You've been holding something back. You've been saying, hey, I don't know. That cost us too much. I don't want to stop doing that. Or uh, this part of my life I'm holding on to. And if you're saying, Matt, today I am ready to declare that Jesus is my king once again to continue that journey, I want you to raise your hand. If you're saying, I will declare it again because I need to follow him with all I have. Praise God. And I want you to make that declaration again too. This won't save you, but this will share with Jesus how you feel. I want you to say out loud, Jesus is my king. And now we're going to just sing this song together So you guys can, can open up your eyes for just a second We're going to sing this song We're going to sing the bridge and, and the chorus of this Bobby can lead us in there
Lord God, we want to honor you in everything. Jesus, you are the king, and we are so glad that we get to be a part of the kingdom. Would you help us to continue to follow you no matter what it costs, no matter how difficult it seems? And would you, like even how it says about you, Jesus, that for the joy set before you, you endured the cross? Lord, in joy would we give up everything to follow you because we will gain so much more than anything we could ask or imagine. And we are grateful for that. Amen. Okay, so we've been, this whole series, we've been kind of collecting our offering at the end. We're going to do that again right now. Um, We also had on your seats this card, this serve somewhere card. We want to encourage everyone to serve somewhere. Um, I I know some of you are already serving. You don't have to fill this out. But if you have never done this, you're not signing your life away, but you are saying, hey, maybe I'd be interested in serving in one of those places. So there's two sides to it. If you could just fill this out and just take a, a minute right now to do that. We have some pens in the back. Just raise your hand if you need a pen. Grant, could you grab pens for anybody? If, if you need one of these, fill it out. We would just want to encourage you to be a part of our church. Be part of the kingdom of God here at Stapleton Church. So we're going to ask you to do that, and we're going to collect our offering in just a second, and let's just watch this, watch this video for, from Jason here. My name is Jason Romero, and I've been a member of this church for over five years now. And I just wanted to share with you a little bit of my journey with my giving. And I've been through seasons in life, somewhere I've had jobs, not had jobs, and sometimes it's felt like a barren wasteland. Fun. Are those camels? In any event, uh, I, in those times, I've checked my pockets, all I've had is bunny ears. Nothing. And in those times, frankly, I have given zero. But I did try to do things for the Lord and give service and philanthropy and that type of thing, because that's all I had. And then there have been other times when it's like rainbows and unicorns. And it's like raining money. This year, I wanted to become consistent because sometimes I'm off traveling to exotic locations. Actually, it's not like that. It's more like this. But in any event, I did want to set up consistent giving. So I got on stapletonchurch.com, and you go here to the Give tab. Click on that. It'll bring up a Give page. You click on Give Online, and then you will... Move down and enter in the amount of your gift. Just kidding. And then you move on down and you make sure you click regularly and select weekly. And it'll go give on Sunday. Then you enter your email address here. And it should recognize me. And then you'll, if you click bank account, there's no fees. So click bank account and set up your bank. If you have a major bank, it's actually really easy. I have Chase. So click there and click continue. And then select your bank. I have Chase. And what you do is sign in here. And I will verify your account. And then you can give online on a weekly basis. So that's it. Thank you very much. God bless. Would you stand with us?